American political system is clearly in turmoil. There's quite obviously an ever-increasing discontent with our leadership, direction, or lack thereof, an overall feeling that the country is not in good health. It seems as though the right is inadequate, the left has gone crazy, and a lot of people find themselves in between or can't pick a side. Some groups, like our guest here today, the New Columbia Movement is offering a new way forward that might be appealing to a lot of you who feel like you're in this middle ground with nowhere to turn. My name is Isaac Tahiri of the Traditionalist Project, and I'm joined today by Sean, a chapter leader and also the lead on the media team of the New Columbia Movement. Thanks for coming back on. You, uh, you've kind of been a lifesaver uh, and a way forward for my podcast, actually, because we were looking to get this all started up again. Uh, it's been months. Uh, life kind of got in the way. I had a, a career change. Um, and it went dormant, and uh, we had a couple failed episodes that were recorded and, and wanted to get produced, and then the files got corrupted. So it's just it's been a mess. So I appreciate you coming on here, being being kind of the first episode of the revival, and I'm excited to jump into this. So the New Columbia Movement. How did you get involved? Were you there from the beginning, uh, and how did you get to be a chapter leader or or in the position you are right now? First and foremost. Absolutely. Uh, well, thanks for having me. I'm honored <laughs> that I can be uh, helping the revival of your podcast, which I'm sure based on your previous podcasts and what I've seen from your Instagram page is going to do very well. Um, my involvement in the New Columbia movement came through my own discontent with the state of society as I witnessed it, mm. as, as I lived it. Um, there's a commonality, I think, at least within the members of the New Columbia Movement. We kind of mention this word a lot. We, we talk about the pipeline. It's this pipeline of uh, political tendencies to kind of end up where, we, where we've come to, um, mm. both on the religious and political side. And so a lot of us go through these different stages. Oh, I'm a conservative. No, I'm a libertarian. No, maybe I like you know this or that and mm. these different flavors of political ideologies. And it kind of comes down to settling on one thing, which is everything is, when you have a good theology, you ultimately understand that everything is rooted in Christ, mm. in Christianity, in natural law, as revealed by divine law. And this really becomes the basis and the foundation, not just for personal decisions in our own lives, uh, creating a healthy atmosphere for ourselves and our families, but for the state of a nation. Mm. And that's where the New Columbia movement was really born out of because we've all had our own journeys and we've come to these same conclusions. And so for me, I don't really particularly remember how I stumbled. Oh, actually, I do. I stumbled upon the New Columbia movement listening to a podcast. Um, Imagine by, uh, that. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> Word gets around on these kind of platforms. Um, so he was a religious podcast, or he's a commentator on religious affairs in the Catholic mm -hmm. Church. I'm a Catholic myself. Um, <clears throat> and they were on there, and uh, that's how I found out about them. And I was like, oh, my goodness, this is it. I was like, this is what mm -hmm. I want to be a part of. This is this is kind of answering all those those needs um, because I've seen these other movements out there, right? The America mm -hmm. First, we're all mm -hmm. familiar with that. The Conservative Inc., we're all familiar with that. Mm -hmm. um, even some of these more fringe types like the Patriot Fronts. Right. Um, and none of them were quite there with me. And the New Columbia movement seemed to, to hit on all wickets. And so I eagerly reached out to them. I sent them an email. I said, uh, and this was, I think, end of 2019. Mm -hmm. um, or no, excuse me, 2020. Uh, everything's a blur now. <laughs> Truly, yeah. Um, yeah, so it was the end of, it was, it was like 
October 2020 uh, was when I, I came on board, and the organization was still small at the time, though it had been around for two years. Um, our two co-founders, um, both named Nick, one goes by SK, but uh, mm. they had started the organization on their own when they were in college uh, and built it into what it was, you know, uh, upwards of like 6,000 people following us on Facebook until the original Facebook page got zucked. Mm, as <laughs> so it does, yeah. Yeah, had to start that one over. But, um, you know, when I came on board, we were still a very small organization. I think maybe cracking around 30 members. And so uh, very much to the ground floor of, of making it kind of make or break, like, are we going to make this organization for real? I came in, I was, you know, kind of guns blazing. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready to make <laughs> this thing happen. You know, let's, right. let's let me, you know, point me in a direction and let me do something for this movement. <clears throat> and uh, there's, and it's not just me. I mean, there's tons of high energy guys in the movement. And so nobody does it full time. Mm. Which is the great thing because everybody are taking is taking time out of their day, um, you know, after a long day at work or you know, cutting into family time just to be able to make this organization successful because we really believe in the mission. Mm. So I came in and I got involved with the media and I said, you know, I think we can make some more YouTube videos and expand the YouTube platform. Um, and there's just, I mean, I've been truly amazed by some of the things that we've been able to accomplish. Just a couple of. Uh, self-described autistic spurgos on the internet right <laughs> so but that's, it shows what you label. can do when you put yeah. your mind to it so yeah and, and by the way yeah I, I was going over a couple of the youtube videos very well made very well made impressive thank you yeah production there. it's very good believe it or not i had no production history there so that was all really learn, learning on the go and wow. it's still a, learn, a learning process so if anybody's got yeah. any tips feel free to message me <laughs> <laughs> certainly certainly so <clears throat> for someone who is completely unaware of the movement has no idea maybe they're not even you know maybe they're stuck in that kind of you know gop trademark uh cultural sphere how would you explain what exactly the movement is to someone who has no idea coming from the the conservative inc gop yeah. perspective yeah. or or um, i mean rather maybe just anyone who's curious yeah so i would say uh i i would position myself from the conservative perspective initially. Okay. Um, I, you know, I, I think I'd have a hard time convincing somebody on the far left to uh, to take stock in our, our, our organization, but maybe. Right. Uh, but I would, I would look at something like conservatism, which already kind of has the basis of what we're gunning for and say, hey, um, what has conservatism conserved? Let's ask that question. What has conservatism conserved? The yeah. bathrooms? No. Uh, uh, a healthy economic policy? No. Traditional family values? No. Christianity at the core of the state? No. You know, I can go down the list and continue mm. to get the same answer because conservatism has failed largely in this country. A lot of people will look at it as the uh, pressure release valve, essentially for people who are discontent with the intense progressive agenda that seems to have its pedal, it has, has the pedal to the metal consistently and has really been driving and directing the programs and policies of this nation. Mm. And it's become this sad state of consistent compromise on behalf of the conservatives to continue to cede territory to the left. Because mm. every time there's this compromise, right, when, and this language isn't so often used as, as it used to, used to be, you know, a decade ago, but this whole compromise notion of, oh, we're going to compromise with the left so we can get what we want. Every time you compromise, as a conservative, you're, you're ceding more ground. You might be giving them less than they wanted, but you're constantly ceding ground. And there's no need to compromise because I don't believe in compromising with evil. 
So the New Columbia movement comes in and says the failure of conservatism is a result of denying natural law, denying mm. the reality, denying Christianity as 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 a core um, core concept of a conservative movement. Mm. And so we say, all right, let's put Christ first. The New Columbia movement wants to basically establish returning to tradition, that that, that coin term, you know, return right. to tradition. Mm. Um, sure, you took some inspiration from that for your own. Yep, put it in my name. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so that's that's really what it is. It's like let's let's return to tradition. What are the values that made nations great before? Because we're existing in a society, and, and you know, to the credit of some some criticizers, right? We we haven't necessarily had the experience to say, okay, this is what right looks like, mm. because we've existed in this post-industrial, uh, post-modern liberal liberal society mm -hmm. based on liberal principles. Arguably, even the founding of America was rooted in liberal principles. But we have historical examples to look at. We have the foundations of theology within the church to look at, traditional Christian principles, and we have examples in our everyday lives. You know, my uncle and aunt, who live in Texas, have a big, beautiful family, mm. and they live according to these principles. You know, eight kids, church every Sunday, family meals, uh, very few electronics in the household. Each kid mm. has an amazing skill, incredibly articulate, super educated, and I'm just astounded every time I go down to that home and I see that family existing in this world as a counterculture to the reality that it, that is you know the world when you step out the door mm. and I say this is this is something worth pursuing <laughs> this right. is real 100%. and mod modernity is so backwards I mean look at the the, the high levels of suicide rates and depression and mm. it's it's cool in school to, to have some kind of mental disorder Mm. And so it's really just this conglomeration of looking at the problems of society and saying we need a fix. And there's a lot of organizations out there that do this, some of the ones that I mentioned earlier, right? Mm. I think the big difference that you're going to find, and it really is a big difference, it's not a nuanced difference, the big difference that you're going to find is it's not America first, it's not you know the Constitution first, it's not this particular political ideology or that particular I political ideology first, it is Christ first. Mm. You put that at the top of the pyramid and all things flow from there. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah, and I think there is a, a good, healthy amount of people who are starting to realize that you can't, you can't have true conservatism, and certainly not true Western traditionalism, that is divorced from natural law, that is divorced from you know Christ as our King, uh, as well as our Savior. Um, and I think maybe, maybe slowly, but 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 surely, even mainstream GOP candidates are, are seeing this as well, and they're trying to hop on that message, but. Uh, I think it's it's falling falling flat because it's not it's not genuine, and there's so many ulterior ulterior motives um, that go into that. But yes, one hundred percent one hundred percent agree. So, if someone new were to come into your content pipe, uh, pipeline, uh, eventually they would they would come across a term that perhaps will startle them, um, in the identification of the group and the commentary on. Uh, this idea of Christian nationalism, right? If you, I feel like as soon as the word nationalism and certain Christian nationalism gets thrown out, uh, even those on the right, right, so-called conservatives, that they'll be a little bit jolted by that. Um, how do you guys plan to, or what what have you done so far moving forward to kind of uh, explain Christian nationalism or perhaps dissuade people from automatically thinking like, oh, well, you know, such and such, terrible regime that committed genocide uh were christian nationalists and and so on and so forth how, how do you how or, or perhaps a better question is do you think that 
conservatives or maybe even moderates between left and right right now are have enough of an understanding, a historical understanding, a theological understanding, and a political uh, political history understanding to not be automatically turned off by the term Christian nationalism. So, no, I think there is a significant battle to be waged still in um, making that a household term. Because it's not so much the Christian part, right? Because you, you hear the Christian word and people don't have that visceral reaction to it. It's the nationalism part. Right. And that's because there's you know a, an intense coordinated campaign really since the, the days of World War II to view nationalism as something, as a dirty word. And really that comes from the fact that the people who are controlling and governing the institutions today, the ones who are implementing the policies that are contrary to our worldview – benefit from globalism, not nationalism. Sure. And so it's, it's, it's a benefit from the elite versus um, the people of the nation. Nationalism is not an exclusionary term either. It's not to say, you know, America, America first and everybody else be damned. That's not the case at all. Hmm. But you have to have a healthy foundation in order to be this mediator for the world if that's what you're seeking to do. And so when we talk about Christian nationalism, we're combining these two terms here. I think very much in Con Inc. and certainly in, in the, the, the liberal, liberal industrial complex, the, the, the idea of separation of church and state is rooted still. Mm-hmm. And it's a misconception of the separation of church and state, where it's this idea that the church shouldn't have undue influence on the state. Whereas the reality is, is separation of church and state, while it may not be uh, the best political tool in my opinion, was created because it wanted to prevent the state from having undue influence in the church. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And when you think about the history of Christendom, a political governing structure is really there to organize the logistical habits of the physical necessities of human of, of human beings. Sure. Meeting 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 those necessities: food, water, shelter, um, and these things come through trade and. and certain things that you see involved. But the ultimate authority in Christendom came down to the church, right? Because the church was in pursuit of saving the human soul, which mm-hmm. came above all things. Today we don't have that. Today we have secularism at the top of that hierarchy. And when you have secularism at the top of that hierarchy, you see these globalistic figures take take root and they direct the programs and policies for their own self-benefit because they don't instill those Christian virtues in themselves and in the society. So it becomes exploitative, and it takes advantage of citizenry of not just our nation, but all nations. Mm. And so we say our movement is a national one, but it transcends races and borders. This is a movement for everybody. And we've had people contact our organization from other countries around the world who very much like the messaging that we're giving out, and they want the same thing for their country. Mm. There were multiple different countries that existed in the time of Christendom. Right, but they all had that allegiance to God, and you think I, I want to kind of want to bring in the term federalism here. Um, and if you read our manifesto, uh, mm-hmm. we talk about federalism in there and, and the Roman structure, mm-hmm. and you know, we can talk about the practicalities of this. That might be a different conversation. But the the idea of the Roman structure is that there is a unifying, centralizing culture. And in the days of Rome, it was the Roman paganism until obviously Rome converted to Christianity. Mm-hmm. And then that really kind of laid the groundwork for Christendom. And then Christendom, the, the, the church, became the unifying culture for Europe. Mm-hmm. That's really something you need because you cannot have all these different competing cultures 
albeit, um, you know, like physical cultures coming from different countries, or we're talking about philosophical cultures and sure, sure. atheism versus Christianity versus Islam versus Judaism versus all these different things, right? Everybody tugging on the fabric of the same flag and trying to run in different directions with it. And that's a recipe for chaos. It creates a chaotic mm-hmm. environment, you know? Look at 2020 Summer of Love uh, with riots yeah. through the streets and, and, and burning down of buildings, and then you see the reaction to that from the right wing who doesn't want these kind of things happening in their country, and it's just, you know, it keeps going and going and going and going, mm. and it creates strife, and it creates problems for everybody. So, <clears throat> Christian nationalism in and of itself, uh, of course, because that uh, I think still is not going to be accept- a term that is comfortable in the mainstream because of how jarring it might be to people, they might not have ever actually looked into this idea of Christian nationalism and its application and how it's been implemented uh, in the past. How would you, in an elevator pitch, describe Christian nationalism and what separates it from the federalism or at least the intention of the federalism of America? The pitch I would would drive at people is traditionalism because I think that's a lot more relatable. So when you hear the like when you hear the word nationalism, you get this much more um, perhaps militaristic sense. Mm. Um, but uh, you know, I the elevator pitch would be: look, Christian nationalism is just referring to installing Christian virtues and morality, the, the pillars of Christianity, into codified into law within our nation, i.e., Christian mm. nationalism. And what do those things look like? Well, traditionalism, and this is where you can relate to I think a lot of the right wing on a personal level. Family. Family is important to everybody. Enabling the family. Um, social justice, in the sense of true social justice. Uh, there's a section in our manifesto about that. Which, what, what does yeah, that yeah. look like, right? Supporting the individuals of the nation. Um, and these are things that speak to people. So, yes, Christian nationalism is going to have a yeah, – not so much with everybody. I mean, I, I think you know the Overton window is shifting, and I'm actually surprised more and more people are open to that terminology. But, mm-hmm. you know, there is still that significant population that isn't. Mm-hmm. And to those people, I would uh, I would lean on their sensibilities, their human sensibilities, and, and talk about you know traditionalism rooted in Christian virtue. And ultimately, it comes down to you know if if the argument is well, why do I have a right you know to tell other people what they should do? I would say look around, <laughs> mm. look at what decades of liberalism has led us to. It's you know evil preaches tolerance until it's uh, until it's dominant, and then it tries to silence good. Mm. And that's mm-hmm. the nature of liberalism: is you allow you allow evil to infect and grow, and then it takes over, and that's how people ended up in gulags in in, in Russia. And I don't want that here. So, so that's an interesting point, and I've had this discussion on my on my page as well, um, talking about I don't I'm, I don't know if morality laws is is the best way to put it, but I think that's kind of a conversation that eventually will get brought up when you when you when you have the discussion of kind of having the faith be uh, a just as equal and important body uh, in the polity of a nation, people will often say, well, you know, we can't force Christian values on people. We can't, you know, we shouldn't legislate uh, Christian values. We should not turn Christian values into law because then we are uh, converting them by force or we're going to be Christian. We should live in a Christian uh, world or society. And then that, that goes against scripture uh, that goes against, you know, the likes of Aquinas, who was very clear on not forcing people um, uh, to uh, Christianity. What would be your response to that? I guess yeah. I should preface it with: Would you? Are you? Are you even support in support of things like quote unquote morality laws? 
Uh, yes and no. So, you know, morality laws in the sense of forcing religion onto people, absolutely not. Mm-hmm. I mean, I would never... It, this idea of a perfect homogenous state is never going to exist. Mm-hmm. It never has existed. So that's, you know, a, 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 you know, when you're going for the 100% solution, you kind of want... You may shoot for the 100%, you kind of want the 80% solution. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, you know, you know, everybody has right to free will. That's, I don't think anybody can test that. But this idea of freedom, right, because this is what it comes down to is freedom. It's this root in this liberal ideology. What is freedom? Well, is it freedom for something or from something? Mm. What, is, what is true freedom, right? The liberal, liberal worldview is this freedom for something, freedom to do whatever you can, freedom to change your gender, freedom to um, – I don't know what's the next what's the next thing on the menu. Minor attracted persons, freedom, <laughs> freedom to associate in those deviant ways. Or even um, even such. I mean, something so common as you know, freedom to produce and consume pornography. You know, right? Freedom, right? Like exactly. Um, freedom to self destruct mm-hmm. is what it comes down to. Whereas true freedom, as understood in the Christian worldview, is freedom from something. Um, you can't have virtue without free will. Mm-hmm. Virtue doesn't exist without free will. Just like it's it's easier to relate to the effects and, and the and the purpose of a state when you break it down to the effects and the purpose of a family. So, in traditional Christian principles, there's this idea of subsidiarity. Mm-hmm. You may or may not be familiar with the term. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's you know, long and short of it is it's it's breaking things down to their most basic uh, principle. It's 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 going down to the smallest common denominator. So if you, and and I would argue that that's the family, and it's ultimately for the, the procreation of children and, and, and the raising of children. Mm-hmm. So the father being the head of the household, and then you build up from there. You've got your community leadership and your um, state and national and these types of things. And so subsidiarity is basically enabling the most amount of power in the smallest uh, hand. So you know, the father in the home should have the most amount of power in the say of how his children should be raised, right? But think about the relationship of a family. <clears throat> um, kid finish, or kid doesn't want to eat dinner. Kid just wants to have ice cream and sweets and all these things. And the liberal worldview is freedom for something as well. You know, he's a free person. You know, the father and the mother have no right to tell that kid not to eat the sweets. Mm. Father and mother have no right to say any of that because you know, he, if he wants to eat sweets, he should. And then he gets cavities, and then he gets overweight, and then he has health issues and all these problems, right? And so at first, it might not seem... A, a big deal that he had, you know, um, ice cream and candy canes for dinner, mm. right? And you don't see the effects of that right away. But then over time, you start to see some effects. Okay, his teeth are rotting. Okay, he's putting on a lot of weight. Okay, he's losing energy. Okay, he's having health issues. This continues to progress. It's like, okay, uh, well, you know, maybe the foundational error was that we were letting him have sweets for dinner instead of healthy foods. Mm. And so that's the, that's the purpose of a family, right? A father and a mother, they come together as a team to raise children. Well... The purpose of a nation is to create a healthy society for its citizenry mm. in order to create a fertile environment for their soul to flourish under the church. And so many people, especially in modern liberal societies, have a rejection of hierarchy, especially mm. in like more of the libertarian side. As you see, it's like this ever vigilance against the government. Like they're just, you know, they're always and, – and, and I can understand that because, with, you know, with the environment we exist today, they are very much against uh, everybody outside of the elite, mm. right? But that's not the historical understanding of a nation. I mean, you know, in, in, in monarchies, for example, you know, kings came from their people. Kings cared for their people. You had bad kings, sure, absolutely. Mm. 
but there was that national and that homogenous uh, understanding that you know the people in power they had that authority because they were looking out for the welfare of their people, and if they weren't doing that, well, I, I'll tell you what it's. <laughs> you know, if they were being unfair to their people, the people weren't afraid to uh, put the king back in his place, right? Mm, mm. Yeah, I've heard it's much easier to, to chop one man's head off than to the whole course of <laughs> right. Of and that's a different, <laughs> it's a different discussion on the on the nature and purpose of bureaucracy, right? But, sure. Yeah, yeah. I think it was G.K. Chesterton said something like, uh, "The lack of politicians who are hanged is unfortunate." There's something something along those lines. You know, he had some interesting right. interesting thoughts on that, but. Right, right, right. Um, so I, I guess point being is there laws, laws are a reflection of the value of a society, right? Mm-hmm. And if a society values the spiritual well-being of its citizenry, then it's going to do what it can to dissuade the participation or flourishing of that which is uh, corrupting to the soul and diminishing to the soul, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you have a if you have a spiritually deficient citizenry, what do you expect is going to happen? Well, eventually you're going to have a spiritually deficient and, and virtuous, um, you know, whole uh, legal system. Whole, the whole polity will will, yeah. will go belly up, you know. And I'll tell you what: it's a mistake to think that sin wants to exist in a vacuum. Mm. It's a constant. It's an ever vigilance against something like that because when you let it get a foothold, it does not content. I mean, you, you know, this ultimately traces back to the devil, right? Mm. To, to the demonic forces. I mean, it doesn't want to seed that ground. It's looking for a way in. Mm. Mm, indeed, indeed. So also <clears throat> going through your page and some of the commentaries, you kind of get the sense that, or I, it might have been explicitly stated, I didn't <clears throat> offer citations to refer back to, but this idea that democracy as it's been practiced in contemporary Western political thought has failed. And I think... Um, I've had discussions with, with, with people on, on this concept, um, uh, good Christian guys, you know, Catholic particularly, um, and they kind of push back on that. And they say, well, I mean, you know, I can see some of the deficiencies here. You know, sometimes we have good administrations and bad administrations. And sometimes American or Western culture kind of goes a little crazy for a bit and then it, but, and it stabilizes. But they, they'll argue, well, how can you say, you know, that it's failed when the West and America has produced, you know, um, you know, all these technological advances, economic advances, you know, uh, the socioeconomic well-being has increased so much over the past few centuries. Um, you know, the standard of living is up. You know, how, you know, how can you fault democracy or, or particularly how can you fault uh, capitalism if, if we've seen all these advancements? What, what then would be your response to that? How can you say Babylon failed when it built the Tower of Babel? Mm. <laughs> you know? I mean that's an interesting discussion. What is what is success and what is failure, right? I mean if 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 there is no God and there is no soul and there is no world beyond this and there is no if none of that matters and none of that's important, then you it'd be very easy to see that you know we our ultimate um, fulfillment is achieved through our ability to create and build and and progress exponentially. Hmm. Where and how that ends, I mean, that's an interesting discussion, right? But um, I wouldn't say that that's the ultimate end. <laughs> I mean, look at how much industrial society has disadvantaged and, and, and separated the man from his soul hmm. and from religion. I mean, it, it, this is historically one of the most um, a religious times that we've ever we've ever mapped, 
I mean, more and more people are really more and more people are getting into the the more um, I guess you call it paganistic. You know that the well, I'm not religious, but I'm spiritual, mm. right? Like yeah, that, I'm yeah. sure we've all heard that a couple of times. Yeah. So these types, but like it's really um, <clears throat> we've lost connection with our soul and, and to God, and this has created a tremendous tragedy on on, on the human condition. Because when you recognize that, the, again, the soul is connected to the body, and so these two things are intertwined to one another. And when you neglect and degrade the soul, then it's going to be a reflection of uh, the society in which you live. Mm-hmm. Take a look at art and architecture, for example. Right. Look at some of the beautiful Gothic cathedrals that you know were built during the Middle Ages, even up into the you know eighteen nineteen hundreds. Now the Victorian area, some some of the, the most beautiful art and architecture. And then go into your modern city today mm-hmm. and take a look. Do you think it's it? You know, is this art and art? And modern art is a perfect example. I walked through an art museum uh, oh, a few I'm months sorry. ago. I'm so sorry. Yeah. To well, you know, I was actually pleasantly surprised because they, oh, they had a good uh, chunk of it was dedicated to like the uh, like traditional Western oh. art from Italy in like the 1600s. But then they had the modern art mm-hmm. side too, and so it was of that course. really interesting dichotomy, <laughs> right? right? But yeah. like, is any of this directed towards the flourishing of the human soul? You know, is it a reflection of a flourishing human soul or is it a re- is it a reflection of a, just a gray citizenry mm. who have no spirit, no life force? Mm-hmm. I don't I mean, you were talking about before the podcast is like the vibe that you got from walking into D.C. And D.C., yeah. you know, I mean, it's it's I mean, it's certainly not the prettiest city in the world. You can at least say that it has some interesting uh, historical sites. But like, you know, that's the vibe I get when I go into most cities. Mm. And it's sad and because the human soul is dead. And we may have all of this technology, but it's like shiny barbarism. Mm. We have nothing. And at the, in the end of the day, when it's all said and done, these people who are laying on their deathbeds, do you think they're thinking about how great it was to be able to scroll on their iPhone for six hours a day? You know? <laughs> what, are the, what are the things that matter? At the end of the day, what matters is, is our soul and the reflection of our humanity. It's being instruments of God's creation, mm. nurturing and caring for this planet. And I'm not seeing that in modern society. So... My argument would be, we haven't succeeded. We've, we've failed. <laughs> mm. And now I'm not one of these people to, um, to say down with, down with technology, but there is a, a nuanced conversation to have there. Oh, so, certainly. But on, on your question of democracy, I would cite Teddy Roosevelt. A vote is like a rifle. Its usefulness depends on the character of the user. Mm, 100%, which is, an, which is an interesting discussion that could lead into, if we want to talk about a bit more of the practical, practical implementations or practicalities of Christian nationalism, or at least the, through the lens of, of the movement. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I think to any traditional conservative or Christian, these ideas that the movement stands for, spot on, right? Like the people be like, yep, this is great. We totally need to, you know, create a society that orients our soul toward the good, toward Christ and the remembrance that eternity is, not, is what matters, not, not the temporal, not the vapid, not, not what's here on earth. This sounds great. How do you do it on the political level, on the practical level? What policies need to be put in place? How does how does this look? How does this function, right? So so things like democracy has failed, and then under in, in the manifesto, we talk you talk about democracy and uh, this expectation now that anybody is 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 seen as you know able to. I mean, truly anybody who's a citizen, or maybe not even a citizen at this point, is able to vote. Is able to have an impact on huge. Uh, monumental decisions and they might not know anything you know they, they get to vote just based on the merit that they are breathing 
and that they uh, are here in the United States, right? And, and, and again, it doesn't yeah. necessarily mean that you have to be a citizen anymore with the way that things are going. So in just that example, what would be a practical legislative change that you would that, that a Christian national government from the movement perspective would do in terms of voting rights? Because I think um, this, I, I personally, I'm of the belief that, you know, the idea that anybody and everybody uh, uh, gets to vote, especially in, in, in as large of a nation as the United States, with 10 million different interested parties, uh, and, and perhaps a lot of these parties may not necessarily have an actual stake in the well-being of the country, and certainly not of the spiritual well-being of the country. What would be the stance then on, on, on voting rights? What would change? How would it be implemented if you had a Christian nationalist society that you were running or the movement was running? Sure. Uh, so I should preface this by saying um, organizationally we're not a political organization in the sense that we advocate for a political party or right, right, even right. a political solution because you know I've mentioned a couple different um, governing styles here and they might all have their solutions in different mm. societies and cultures. So we don't look at that per se. We will look at the cultural and social movement that we're building and say mm. you know we have a phrase that we like to use. It's, I don't care remember who said it first, but politics is downstream from culture. Right, mm-hmm. so fix the culture, fix the politics, kind of thing. But um, mm, I see, I see. Yeah, thank you for including that. That's I think that'll help a lot. Of yeah, yeah. So that and that's really where we're focusing. I mean, mm-hmm. we're definitely going to have inputs on on things that are happening in the political landscape because that's you know it's dominating our peripheries basically. But right, um, right. So, and, and I just ask because I, I have a feeling that a lot of listeners will see this and be like, they, they might even be excited, they might you know join, but then also I know there's going to be a group that's like, great. Where do you go from here? Like, what, like, yeah. what, you know, what happens for now? You know, so that's right, why I sure. the question. And I think, yes. again, this, even your opinion here might not necessarily be this is the official statement of, of the movement, but just uh-huh. a general feeling, uh, someone from your position and your philosophy. Yeah. So, general feeling is, you know, fix the culture, fix the politics. Um, mm-hmm. Regarding your specific question about, you know, voting rights and things like this, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, I wouldn't want just anybody on the street to give me open heart surgery if I needed it. I wouldn't want just anybody on the street to, uh, you know, give me a bus ride if they don't know how to drive a bus, right? mm. these types of things. And I think we're very, uh, we understand those concepts, but then if you go ahead and you apply it to governing philosophy, suddenly, like, people turn that part of their brain off and they think, oh, no, mm. everybody has a right and a voice. And I agree that, like, yeah, I mean, a lot of this extends from that idea, that idea of equality of mm-hmm. outcome versus opportunity and these types of things. But, you know, I think... For a long time in human history, there was this, this valued aristocracy in society. And the aristocrats and the aristocracy, sure, you had bad ones and you had good ones. Um, and again, that all is just rooted in what kind of virtues are they displaying. But mm. there's nothing particularly wrong with an aristocracy and a, and a governing structure of people who have the best interests of their nation in mind and are also the best equipped to mm. deal with those solutions. Right? We all have different skills and we all want to be successful. and good at what we're doing right if i'm a farmer i want to be a really good farmer i want to produce a lot of food for the people that i'm trying to to satisfy right i want to get them the tomatoes and the you know whatever or mm. if i'm a bricklayer i want to be a really good bricklayer i want to build good houses big good sturdy houses if i am a, a governor or a politician or well, whatever the word is i want to be a good one mm. i want to be looking out for the welfare of my citizenry so on a personal level you know, I look at something like uh, voting, and I don't necessarily throw the baby out in the bathwater. I think, oh, voting is dumb. I mm-hmm. don't. 
And, you know, those types, particularly when addressing America, the, the sphere of America, you know, there's no history of, of any type of real authoritarianism in here, right? This idea of like, oh, you could instill a monarchy in America is, I think, kind of a, a, a pipe dream <laughs> for those who would advocate for that. Um, not that that means it wouldn't work elsewhere in other countries, but and that, that it's a bad system in general. So on a, on a personal opinion, because I'm not going to speak for the movement here, um, yeah, yeah. I like the idea of a traditional republic in the sense that um, implementing the idea of subsidiarity, that local um, legislators, local regions have a, a, a good amount of authority over their people. Um, but you know, the authority that they don't have is the moral compass, right? The, the federal government, at the end of the day, the, the, the larger institution is the one that says, you know, this is a Christian nation. Mm. You know, we operate under the laws of God. And within that sphere, within those lateral limits, the decision making decision making could be happening on a much smaller level, which I think would be healthier for the communities, and it builds better communities, right? When you mm-hmm. allow these people, and so um, you know the specifics of who can vote and who can't vote, and these types of things. That's a it's, it's a longer conversation, and definitely concepts worth exploring. That I, I don't think it'd be good to get into here, but mm-hmm. I will say for sure that um, this idea of just uh, of, of rapid pursuit of of, of uh, forever democracy and getting as many people to cast their votes as possible is, is, is an absurd absurd situation. Mm-hmm. How many people do you earn on a daily basis that you wouldn't trust making your Subway sandwich, let right. alone deciding the future of this nation? Right. So that's something to keep in mind. And yeah, I know yeah. a lot of people don't like that's a hot take. I get it. But I think I honestly <laughs> think when presented in the right way, people can come around to that idea. It's just about having the longer conversation. Right, right, right. 100%. In fact, I think, you know, probably, probably in terms of like, actionable things that, that, that people can do if they want a, a new way forward or a, a more hopeful way forward uh, for the nation is to is to have these conversations uh, and, to, and to try to influence culture. I think, like you said, you know, politics is downstream from culture. Um, and I just think that there's kind of this, whether Americans want to acknowledge it or not at this point, because, you know, if they look at our history as checkered, and certainly it is, but, you know, maybe there's a complete disdain for the founding documents or so on and so forth, which we, we don't have to get into that discussion now, but that would be an interesting one to have. Um, yeah. And if I can say one thing real quick, and I'm going to say this is my last spiel, but um, there's a book called um, The Benedict Option. Uh, mm. not sure if you're familiar with it or not, but you were asking about like how does this get implemented? How do we get from you know A to B kind of thing? Uh, I really like the idea of localizing, um, mm. building communities where communities are uh, – where they could be built. I'm originally from um, – Front Royal, Virginia, which mm. is kind of in the Shenandoah River Valley mountain area of Virginia, beautiful mm-hmm. country, and actually a really strong conservative population there. With uh, there's, uh, you know me as a Catholic, there's a huge Catholic community there, and it's really interesting to see. And I think like when you and more and more people are getting the mindsets like we are, right? About like okay, things are going in the wrong direction. That's mm. when you see people start to localize, exploit that, exploit that drive of people wanting to get away from the apparatus that's. Uh, subverting them that's mm. keeping them from being successful and then flourishing their spirit and say let's build something let's do it i know it's not easy um and i'm not going to pretend like you know I, i'm not going to say that the solution is you got to have six hundred thousand dollars go out and buy you know 100 acres and then start your <laughs> farm deep in the mountains or anything like, it's yeah, not like yeah. that it's like you know how often do you spend every day on social media mm. 
you know, more than you should, less than you should. You can, you can, you can go down this checklist with all these different things and say, okay, these, these are not conducive to the, the spirit of myself or my family or my community. Let's mm-hmm. get a community of like-minded individuals. Let's start building something here. And then you create this network of like-minded communities. You get the messaging out there. You bring more people into the fold. It's really what we're doing here with the New Columbia Movement too, right? Mm-hmm. Bring people into the fold. Let's create this network. I mean, I've already seen people, you know, working towards this end. And uh, you do that over a long enough period of time, and I think you'll be surprised what can be accomplished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and yeah, well said. I think that's a uh, a brilliant point. I mean, I know me personally. We, you know, I sit and we have these conversations, and we read about it. We see things. We see we see on social media, on the news, and you know, you want to you dream of making these big, sweeping, macro level efforts and movements and changes and, and campaigns. You know, mm-hmm. um, but you can't start there. You know, you really can't start there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm a big believer that you know, um, as Christian men. We're responsible for our, our own soul, but we're also responsible for those who are under our care. And that's not, you know, obviously in a, in a, in a larger sense, uh, you know, then I guess the health of a nation is dependent on the care of every family, every, every well-intentioned man. But truly, like, who is under our care? Ourselves, our wives, our kids, our local community, you know, our church, our parish. That's that's where the, that's where the change happens, you know. That that's where the change right. happens. So I, I, I agree, hundred percent. Completely, completely agree. Uh, speaking of that, um, so the structure of the New Columbia Movement is a series of chapters, if I'm not mistaken, correct? That's right. So if someone was interested, and they hear this podcast and like, I completely agree. This is something I want to be a part of. I want I want to get involved. I want to I want to try and create you know a local chapter. How how would they go about doing that? Where would you point them? So the, the chapter structure is already in place. Um, mm. the, those who are interested in joining, becoming part of our movement, uh, you, you know, we'd, buy, we'd ask that you would reach out to us. We have a website, um, or you can, if you follow us on uh, social media, we, we answer um, the, the DMs there as well. Mm-hmm. So we're actually in the process of kind of a, a big restructure, not like a re-image, but we're, 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 we're doing really well, um, and we're, we're getting a lot of people on board, and so we're kind of stepping our game up and synthesizing things a little bit but um you know you want to come on board reach out to us um let us know that you're interested we will there's a form that you fill out um it's just like a basic questionnaire for us to get to know you a little bit um we take a look at that we schedule an in-person interview which takes you know 45 minutes to an hour where we get to talk to you a little bit ask you some questions um and then from there, there's just going to be a quick deliberation and then hopefully onboard you into the movement. Um, and I encourage people not to be like turned off by that process because that's more for us um, as far as like, you know, keeping uh, keeping tabs on like who's coming into the organization. Um, mm-hmm. We th- And the thing is, is like a lot of these organizations spring up and then die out. They, they get oh, really yeah. big and then they die, right? Because mm-hmm. there's no kind of... There's no oversight into what that organization is and what it looks like or all that this stuff. So it's just like, oh yeah, oh okay. Take perfect example, America First. Like, oh yeah, I'm America mm-hmm. First. Okay, what does that mean? You know? Like membership means something here. You know, mm-hmm. this is a community, it's a fraternity. Like we're mm-hmm. doing something, you know, and we want this to be more than just like going to the March of Light. Like, you know, I uh, if you want to get together and do go do a camping trip, let's do it. Like I wanna I wanna get good friendships out of this as well. Um, there's a lot to offer uh, for being a member. So mm-hmm. we place a lot of emphasis on um, quality over quantity. Uh, we could have a lot more members right now if we didn't really do the quality control. What that, that looks like mm. is just, you know, guys who join up and then we don't hear from them. Mm. Like, mm-hmm. okay, I'm sorry, you're just kind of wasting space here. We want people who want to be here. 
We want people who want to want to be the change, want to make the change. We want, and, and really, that's created a, a unique energy in the organization because mm. it's like you come in and you say, "Oh, you know, these people are about it," <laughs> right. and that encourages people who are in the organization too. Like you know, new energy comes in all the time, and it's like it's just you know, it's just like snowball effect. Like we're 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 doing more, we're, we're we've got more ideas, we're, we're we're getting more opportunities, and go on and so on and so forth. So that whole initiate uh, not initiation process the whole um onboarding process is really to establish a relationship with the person who's coming on board um to make sure you're not some you know antifa weirdo who's just trying to like get in and yeah, cause yeah. problems <laughs> and uh to make sure that you'd be a good fit for the organization because maybe there's some more questions that you'd like to to get off your chest and talk to us about and these types of things so um it's a it's an opportunity for us to get to know you more and uh make sure you're a good fit yeah 100 percent, 100 percent all right, so I always end with the final question, trying to leave the viewers off with something that they can that they can chew on and apply to their own lives. Uh, so we'll keep it short. Um, in your opinion, what is the right now? What is the single most effective thing that a well-intentioned uh, Christian, whether man or woman or, or Westerner in general, what is the single most effective thing they can do right now in their daily lives to build toward a brighter future? Um. It's going to be kind of a twofer, but they're related. Go for it, yeah. Uh, stop watching pornography. Mm. Cut it out of your life completely. Get rid of it. Mm. Even if it's just a little bit, get rid of it. If it's a lot of it, get rid of it. Mm. And seriously limit your time on social media. Mm. You will be and – and, and this is speaking from personal experience. When you get rid of that stuff, particularly social media, you will be surprised how much time in the day you have to dedicate, right? Because everything follows after that. <laughs> You're wasting your time on social media you're losing minutes of your day, especially if you're young guys. This is the best opportunity of your life, right, to, to, to make yourself something. Mm. You're losing opportunities during the day to read a book, to get some knowledge, to go to the gym, to get big, to get swole, <laughs> right, right yeah, to do yeah. all these things. Whatever it is that you're trying to better yourself for, you're losing those opportunities because you're either a slave to a vice or an addiction that's designed to sedate you. Mm. And you're better than that. You're a freaking Christian man. You're a chat. Don't, don't let these people win. You want to change the world? Change yourself. Mm, Start with 100%, 100%. that. Completely agree. Well, Sean, it's been a pleasure. A very interesting conversation. Um, really interested in the movement. Glad, uh, happy to see where it goes. Happy to see where it's at. Um, thanks for coming on. Honestly, this is a great conversation. I think uh, we need to be having more of these discussions. One hundred percent. Completely agree that you know, if you want to, if you're upset with the, if you're upset with the politics, move to change the culture. And if you're upset with the culture, change yourself. And spread that goodness, spread the word of Christ, emulate Christ's statues and his virtues. And, you know, we're, we're, we're going to get out of this, even if, you know, if, if things ultimately here on this, on this earth don't go the way we want it to, victory has already been won. Victory Amen. has already been won. Amen to that. So once again, thanks for coming on. This is Sean from the New Columbia Movement. You can find them by that same name on Instagram. They have the website, which I believe is just New Columbia Movement. Correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, yes, newcolumbiamovement.org. And then um, YouTube also by the same name. Uh, it's been a pleasure. Uh, we're going to keep pumping out uh, podcast episodes. I got a list of, uh, of guests that are here, ready to go, super excited. Um, but this is the first one back, and, and I, you know, it was an honor to do it, to share it with you, man. Absolutely. Appreciate you having me on. Thanks so much. God bless.